Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 51 called Look to the Rock. Awake, awake, NIV, clothe yourself with strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces? Now, some of you are thinking, Rahab the harlot, was she cut to pieces? The answer is no. This is not Rahab the harlot, uh, who pierced the monster through. Rahab actually is a picture of Egypt. Uh, You can look at Isaiah 30, I think it's verse 7. But also listen to Ezekiel 29, verse 3. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great monster that lies in the midst of his rivers, that has said, My Nile is mine, and I myself have made it. Apparently, either the monster, the the Egyptian-slash-Canaanite myth, which they had a lot of these kinds of myths and false deities and gods that were connected to stars and, and seas and rivers. But do you know when God turned the Nile into blood, because they believed the Nile was a god, do you know what God was basically saying through that plague? I killed your god. That's what he was saying. The Nile turned to blood. And the people worshipped the Nile. And God said, I got news for you. He's dead. And the Pharaoh would go down there and do his ritual bathing. And and that didn't work out really well after that plague. Now Rahab, uh, another name for Egypt, was also a mythical serpent that apparently resisted God's creation of the universe in Canaanite mythology. And uh, when God parted the sea, the Red Sea, how many uh, Israelite people do you think were out there? Well, scholars think maybe well over a million plus the Egyptian army that was pursuing them. And what did God do to the sea? He cut it in half. I don't know if you ever looked at it that way. It's called surgery on the sea with a blast of his nostril. I love it. I love it. That You ever seen a baseball player do that? They're at the plate. They know the camera has panned into them and they do the You're like, dude, really? I mean, I'm trying to get over this, all the spitting you do at home plate, let alone the blowing of your nostril. But that's what God does. He cut the sea in half. Was it not thou who dried up the sea? Yom is the Hebrew word. And Yom is the name of a myth- mythological foe in the, in the myth killed by Baal. And once more, says one writer, Isaiah offers history in place of mythology and shows that the Lord vanquished Yom, this false deity anyway, in front of millions of witnesses, his own people, plus the Egyptians. You could say the the world and the believing community and said, you think he's something? And they were fearful of the sea and everything. And God said, I'll I'll take care of him and I'll open up a path for my people to walk. And then when when they get through what I'll do, is I'll close it up on the Egyptians. The water of the great deep, verse 10, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for who? For the redeemed to cross over. Now, if you were crossing over as one of the uh, Israelite people, you know, that'd be pretty cool. And the, the ground was 
part of the miracle was the ground was dry. And I don't know if the little fishies were coming up and waving. I don't know, you know, if the Disney movies are true and all that, but radical miracle. So the ransomed of the Lord will return. There will be an ultimate exodus, a second exodus from Babylon, but an ultimate exodus back to the land and come with joyful shouting to Zion, never another name for Jerusalem, and everlasting joy will be on their heads. Think of the anointing oil flowing down. Uh, it will just saturate them. They will obtain gladness and joy and notice this, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And God says, I, even I, you said, awake, awake. Here, I'll respond with a double. I, even I am he who comforts you. You know, the answer to all that ails mankind, we can, we can look to medication, we can look to counselors, we can look to hobbies, but the answer to what ails the depth of mankind is always found in one answer, and it is God. God is the one who comforts us. He's the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Who are you? God says, now, you're trying to remind me of what I should be doing. Who are you that you are afraid? And fear here is in the perfect tense means being gripped by fear of man who dies and the son of man who is made like grass. You want to ask me? Well, let me uh, tell you. You've forgotten the Lord, your maker. 13. Who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor as he makes ready to destroy But where is the fury of the oppressor? This is from my notes. We could put it this way. Who are you that you've forgotten your maker? Was it not you who trusted him and saw his miracles and told others of his mighty saving acts and power? Was it not you, you fill in the blank? See, when we're low in faith, we forget what God's done for us. We forget the people that we told, hey, mom, it's usually first mom and dad. Hey, mom and dad, you won't believe what happened. They're like, we know you, son. I don't know, right? I don't know, is this real? Oh, it's real. Jesus is real. And then you went to your buddies and some of them didn't call you back. I want to tell you about Jesus. You ain't getting a phone call back from some of them. And do you remember? Have you forgotten? I think that's sometimes what When we get immersed in problems and difficulties, we forget how powerful God is. What he's done for us. The exile, 14, literally you could render this the cowering one, picture of cowering at the feet of an oppressor, will soon be set free, says God, and will not die in the dungeon, nor will his bread be lacking. For I am the Lord your God, Yes, I stir up the sea who stirs up the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. I've put my words in your mouth and have covered you with the shadow of my hand to establish the heavens, to found the earth and to say to Zion, you are my people. Now some people, some commentators see in here uh, God speaking of the servant that he puts his words in his mouth and he's able to bring that, that word to the weary that's possible. Some see in this actually the people of God and that God is saying that, you know, he covers them, puts his words in their mouth. There's some difficult language about establishing the heavens and I'll let you uh, look at that on your own. But now God says something. He says, rouse yourself. You want to give me the double awake, awake? I got something for you. Rouse yourself. 
Arise, O Jerusalem. If you have the NIV, it says, Awake, awake. In uh, Ephesians 5.14, it says, For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. If anybody's napping, <laughs> it's you. It's not me, God says. If you want to give me your medicine, I got some medicine for you. The one who's been asleep at the wheel is you. And if you're going to listen to me, I'm going to give you a wake-up call. You wake up. You who drunk from the hand of the Lord, look at the middle of uh, 17. You who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger, the chalice of reeling, you have drained to the dregs. Man, the reason you are where you are is I gave you the cup of my wrath. You're in, ba- you're in captivity because you sinned against me and I said, here you go. If you want to drink it, drink it. And they drank it, gulp, 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 all the way down, the verse says, to the dregs. And my understand, understanding of the dregs is they didn't have the best filters in the olden days for the wine and the dregs were the chunks at the bottom. Gloop, 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 gloop. What's that at the bottom? It doesn't matter. I'm going to drink it. Gloop, gloop. And they were staggering. Staggering, having drunk the cup of the anger of Almighty God. And as you begin to read, write it down for your notes. Revelation 14, 19 and 10. Revelation 16, 18 through 20. You begin to see that the cup is, the, is depicted as the wrath of God that will be drunk by anyone who takes the mark of the beast or is, whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. And in, in this case, Israel's drinking of the cup of wrath was at least temporary because God would then bring deliverance. But many people were staggering. What is it going to look like one day when all these people who have rejected the Lord are staggered? Have you ever seen a drunk person staggering? It's one of the saddest scenes on the planet. They have no clue. They don't even know where they're going. They're clueless. That's that's what the Bible paints as judgment day. People are going to be staggered. They're not going to know what hit them. Can you imagine the time when the flood came and everybody's laughing at Noah? Yeah, preacher of righteousness. Yeah, yeah. And then the flood came and took them all away. Can you imagine... As people tried to swim for a while or beat on the door of the ark and say, Noah, we believe, Noah. Too late. And God says, you're staggering. You've drank the cup. And there's none to guide her among all the sons. It was expected in those cultures that children would take care of uh, aging parents, but there's no sons around that she's born, nor is there anyone to take her by the hand in her drunken stupor. This is... Uh, a feminine picture here of Jerusalem. There's no one to lead her. There's no one to take her the right way. These two things, 19, have befallen you. And who will mourn for you? The devastation and destruction, famine and sword. How shall I comfort you? If you have the New King James, we're almost done. By whom will I comfort you? If you have the NIV, it says, who can console you? Have you ever wondered when someone goes through a devastating time, where are they going to find comfort? If you don't know the comforter, and the Holy Spirit is even called the comforter in the New Testament, right, who comes alongside to our aid, what do you do? What do you do? 
Who will be your comforter? We'll get back to Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah in a moment. But first, Pastor Michael has an invitation for you. Hey, if you're looking for a fellowship to participate in and you're anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire, I pastor a church along with other pastors. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. And we do two Sunday morning services each Sunday, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., We happen to be moving through the book of Philippians at the current moment. Hey, plan on joining us this weekend. We'd love to have you. I'd love to meet you. I'll meet you right there at the donuts. Maybe we'll split a maple bar. (laughs) And hey, remember, if you can't join us, if you're not within the Inland Empire, then find a good, healthy Bible teaching church and go and serve the Lord because he's worthy. And when we're part of the body, an active part of the body, man, it makes a big difference in our lives and the lives of others. So make sure you're plugged in to fellowship this weekend. God bless you. Learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, when you visit walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. By whom will I comfort you? If you have the NIV, it says, who can console you? Have you ever wondered when someone goes through a devastating time, where are they going to find comfort? If you don't know the comforter, and the Holy Spirit is even called the comforter in the New Testament, right, who comes alongside to our aid, what do you do? What do you do? Who will be your comforter? When the time of devastation comes, who will comfort you? Uh, Jeremiah 15, I would encourage you to read later, verses one through seven, but here's verse five. Indeed, who will have pity on you? Jeremiah 15, five. Oh, Jerusalem, who will mourn for you? Who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? Anybody? Is another nation coming to save you that you tried to make alliances with? Who's going to mourn you? Who's going to comfort you? And here's the thing. Now, this is the beauty of our salvation. You know who will? You know who will enter into our pain and drink that cup of suffering that he did not deserve and that cup of wrath that he did not deserve to drink? Do you know the one who cares and entered into mankind, uh, into our very history in which we're embedded, and drank the cup of the wrath of Almighty God, though innocent? Yeah, you know his name. And he's the one being talked about in these chapters. And this will hit a, a height in Isaiah 53 as we'll look at his death for us and we'll look at the fact that God says, I will step in, I will care. I will console you. Your sons have fainted, verse 20. They lie helpless at the head of every street. Write down for your notes, Lamentations 2.19, something very similar. Like an antelope in a net, full of the wrath of God, the rebuke of your God. The picture here is a, a big, large animal that gets caught in one of those hunting, hunting nets. That's, that's where Israel is. That's where Jerusalem is. They're just stuck, moving their limbs around. They can't get out. They're in the net. Where will deliverance come from? Therefore, as we end, we come back. Please hear this. You afflicted who are drunk but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord, even your God who, notice, contends for his people. Behold, I have taken out of your hand 
the cup of reeling, the chalice of my anger, you will never drink it again. Now, if this is the return from Babylon, did they drink the cup of God's anger again after 590, well, whatever it was, 539 BC, I think is when they started returning, somewhere in there. Um, Did they drink the wine of God's wrath again? Yes, AD 70. Jerusalem fell to the Romans in AD 70. And Jesus pronounced the judgment before it happened and said there's going to be a time when they'll build up a bank and there will not be one stone left upon another. So when will they never drink the cup of God's anger again? I would submit to you at the return of Jesus Christ when he sets up his millennial kingdom and God says, I will contend for my people. You can read Ezekiel 38, 39. God will step in. He will bring deliverance. He will bring them through that eastern gate or at least he will enter through that eastern gate and he will reestablish and replant the Garden of Eden. The, the, if you will, the curse will be lifted, another feature of it. And I will put into the hand of your tormentors who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over you. You have even made your back like the ground and like the street for those who walk over it. I'm going to hand the cup of my anger to them and they're going to drink it in full measure. And you start to read Revelation 14, 15, 16 and you begin to see, wow, this could be, this chapter, especially the end, could be all about the end times and God's dealing with Israel and how he'll take the cup that they've been drinking for quite a long time now. And it'll get worse, remember, because at the end of time, it's going to get bad for Israel. But he's going to remove that cup and give it to their tormentors who've been saying publicly, we want to push them into the sea. We want to destroy them. And God says, I'm going to hand the cup to them and they will sit at your feet. Let's pray. Father, oh Lord, we are so grateful for your promises. Your word is truth. Your word builds our faith. Your word points us in the right direction. Your word is life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We We pray, Lord, that you would build us up on that word of grace. We pray tonight that we would take refuge in the shadow of your hand. We pray that we would know that you have put your words in our mouth to sing praises to our God, to be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, the gladness of heart for those who belong to God. We are to listen and look. And those are two keys when we're, maybe we're asking some tough questions. My prayer tonight is that you would renew and re-energize faith, build it up in your people, in their most holy faith. Strengthen them, like the apostles when they said, Lord, increase our faith. That's our prayer tonight. That's my prayer. Make us strong in faith, believing the promises, standing upon them, and acting in a way that reflects that, Father. As Abraham did, as Sarah did, not perfectly, but they still responded in faith. That's what we want to do tonight. Keep your heart bowed before the Lord and if there's any business that you need to do with him tonight, maybe you just need to reflect upon his promise of comfort, his promise of intervention, his promise of eternal salvation as opposed to the temporary world, whatever it is that he would implant in your soul, let that speak to your heart. Father, I just pray that you'd wash over your people with waters of refreshment, with strength, renewed strength and vigor for the things of God, with a renewed passion to use our gifts. If there's fatigue, I pray that you would bring strength. If there's need for healing tonight, I pray that you would touch and heal. If there's need for some emotional repair or spiritual um, 
strength to come into the life, I pray that you would do that. I pray you just minister to your people. If you don't know Jesus tonight, I, my prayer for you is that you just cry out to him for salvation. Just ask him to save you. Believe on him and you will be saved. Trust in the true Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection for your justification. And Father, I just pray that you'd give a renewed vision to someone out here tonight who may be mulling over a ministry in their heart. I pray you give strength to those who are caretaking. I I just pray, Lord, that you would just meet the needs of your people tonight. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Look to the Rock, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 51. But if you missed any part of today's program or parts one or two, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with our listeners. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Or you can get it now. Our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address if you're ready. You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, where you look in your Christian life is so important. We're to be focused on things above, not the things of the earth, Colossians chapter 3. We're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews chapter 12. The focus of one's life is such a huge thing. I'm a golfer, or at least I try. And I've realized something about golf. Golf is all about focus. Uh, The moment that you lose focus, you will hit a bad shot. And that could be that you look up too quickly or you're just not, you know, going through your routine. Well, your spiritual life is about focus. It's about where you're looking, where you're placing your hope, what's coming in to the, the head and the heart, etc. When you look to the rock, that is higher than you. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, it makes a huge, huge difference. There are many distractions and many things that can beat at us, but ultimately look to the rock because he is the solid foundation for all believers. Well, as we are moving through the book of Isaiah, we're so glad you're with us. We are here on a Friday. So we're coming up to the weekend, obviously. And with that comes an opportunity to gather with the people of God. What a great privilege to think about this great country. Uh, yeah, we have our flaws, but uh, churches everywhere, in cities everywhere, uh, often multiple churches on the same street. And uh, would to God that we come together, cry out for revival, and that we are part of the solution as we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Hey, if you're looking for a fellowship to participate in and you're anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire, I pastor a church along with other pastors. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. The church is right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, so just a little bit west of the 15 Freeway. 
And we do two Sunday morning services each Sunday, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We happen to be moving through the book of Philippians at the uh, current moment. But we also have an amazing uh, event coming up the weekend of June 4th and 5th on Pentecost Sunday. We're going to be doing something very special as well. If you'd like to find out more about the fellowship, how to participate, driving directions, what we have for kids, etc., go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Hey, plan on joining us this weekend. We'd love to have you. I'd love to meet you. I'll meet you right there at the donuts. Uh, Maybe we'll split a maple bar. (laughs) God bless you. Have a great weekend and we'll see you. And hey, remember, if you can't join us, if you're not within the Inland Empire, then find a good, healthy Bible teaching church and go and serve the Lord because uh, he's worthy. And when we're part of the body, an active part of the body, man, it makes a big difference in our lives and the lives of others. So make sure you plugged in to fellowship this weekend. God bless you. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. Now, whether you can give financially or not, would you please spread the word of Walk in Truth around your community? You can tell a couple people to either listen on this station or find Walk in Truth on their podcast app. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 52 called How Lovely in the Mountains. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.